It's been a while. Welcome back to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we talk about recently watched, which we try not to spoil. Um, you, what's the the Moonrays? Yes, uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. Uh, you can find their music on. Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are not professional critics; we are just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Good evening. All right. Cool. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're back together. I was I was gone unexpectedly, and uh, UFOs. It, well, yeah. The the short, the long and the short of it is UFOs. So, yeah. Um, but you know, I made it back all probing aside. Um, I was in Chicago. I got to do some interviews that we'll talk about at a future date that the listeners should find really exciting. Um, but, uh, who wants to start recently watched? I'll go. It's short. Go ahead. Finished up the boys. Oh, season three. There are only eight episodes. That's weird. It always feels like you're being cheated can't yeah. they go 10 just yeah. 10 no more than 10 but what what do you think that is i mean we stole that from the british didn't we i believe we did and uh, jolian you want to weigh in on that mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like you did <laughs> we got your language you don't have to mess you know, that write up. as many yeah. episodes you don't have filler episodes as much mm-hmm. you don't have like a clip show yes <laughs> oh my god Downton Abbey clip show be fun yeah don't you miss clip shows remember that time yeah and then they would yeah. remember earlier in this scene when we were thinking about that other thing mm-hmm. <laughs> remember when Joey got a turkey stuck on his head how did he not die of salmonella <laughs> so um, what do you think of the boys is it going anywhere good I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. It was probably not as strong a finish as last year because, you know, defeating Nazis is always a high point. Yeah, no one turned out to be a Nazi. Yeah, not this time around. Just regular super super jerks. So has your housemate subjected you to any more um, MeTV or... Oh, yeah, he, he watches a lot of me TV. Um, I I don't know why he doesn't use one of the umpteen zillion streaming services I've signed up for. 
Yeah, now, I got to wonder, um, when you see the commercials on MeTV, and they're for people who are five years older than you, should you at some point go, oh, shit, I'm old? Or they're pointing their finger at me, calling me old. I don't like this. I'm not going to watch Andy Griffith. I'm going to go watch something else now. Well, I think before that, it would be, okay, I've seen every episode of Andy Griffith six times a piece. Mm. Why am I going to watch it again? Yeah, good point. You know, at some point it has to stop paying off. <laughs> yeah, what could Opie get up to now? Yeah. So. Yeah. Is Ain't B going to help solve the problem? Possibly. Danged if she won't. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh terrible show yeah it is really back when back when things were better things were simpler <laughs> mm. except for that stuff that's a, just out of camera shot yeah you know, you know the fire hoses and the truncheons and all that kind of stuff in mayberry possibly yeah i think mayberry never really changed no as a fictitious place i think it's frozen in time probably so was that really uh, kind of it? Pretty much. All right. Jolien, how about you? Uh, well, this last weekend was the Fantasia Festival up in Montreal. Mm -hmm. So they had the uh, world premiere of the uh, documentary about Jean Relan. Mm -hmm. uh, I did the poster for. Nice. Uh, it's called um, Orchestrator of Storms. So we've got good people involved in that. And apparently the event uh, went really well. So Excellent. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, looking forward to getting getting on the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta get the next job off of the last one. Mm -hmm. At least that's the, uh, the way it should work out. Yeah, but now, now I have connections with a few documentary filmmakers, so maybe, nice. maybe something will happen. Yeah. Anything else exciting? Um, no. No. This is going to be the shortest one ever. I, I mean, I've watched lots of stuff. Do you want to talk about any uh, of it? All right, then. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I watched uh, a Satyajit Rai film called The Big City from 1963. Um, so he directed it, did the music, wrote it. Um, I think there are very few directors who can do all that. Satyajit Rai and John Carpenter. Someone who doesn't know how to spread the blame around. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is about this stars uh, Madhavi Mukherjee as the uh, she becomes the breadwinner of this family in 1950s Calcutta so she's up against the weight of tradition and her boss and stuff like that so yeah uh, she's always great um, The Dismembered from 1962 uh, by Ralph S. Hershorn um this is a Philadelphia regional film, um, which wasn't really released outside of showing it to some friends uh, until 2017. All right, regional um, films. Yes, I love regional films. So it was it was rediscovered and put out on Blu-ray. Looks uh, looks good. Um, the 65 long minutes of zany horror comedy. Oof, their that words, not yours. Those three words together, zany horror comedy, <laughs> uh, doesn't bode well. But the photography and some of the actors, not, you know, not bad. Um, it's, it was made for less than five thousand dollars. 
back in 62, which is still a feat. Yeah. Um, so this one's a bunch of uh, crooks hide out in a isolated house, which is next to a cemetery. And uh, it's a proto-Beetlejuice, because the, the ghosts uh, are sick of living people coming and haunting their house. And then uh, out in the cemetery is a rival bunch of undead who were... Uh, who manifest as the bits of people who've been buried. So at the end of the movie, you could get like uh, an attack by hands and feet, and there's a brain that goes shuffling along the floor. So it's worth waiting for. All right. Um, Warning Shadows from 1923, as uh, an Arthur Robeson film. Um, let's see. Uh, this is about um uh there's there's a count who it invites four men who are after his wife over to his house for dinner and one of the entertainments for the evening is this shadow player so you can do like shadow animals with his hands and he oh, has yeah. a shadow puppet theater um and things get a little weirder from there um so you know it's got lots of good use of shadows as you might expect um, two of the cast were in uh, Nosferatu. Ah. Um, much uh, use of Made of Shadows. Um, you got uh, Rudolf Kleinrog from, um, he played Rottwang in Metropolis. Mm. Um, so, yeah, lots of familiar faces in the cast if you're into silent, you know, horror and science fiction. Um, the Devil's Nightmare from 1971. Uh, Jean Brismy. Um, stars Erica Blank who was in Kill Baby Kill, and uh, Jean Survey, who was in Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's about a busload of uh, um, travellers who spend the night in a cursed chateau where uh, where the upholstery matches the uh, wallpaper for some reason. It's quite hard in the eyes. Um, <laughs> it's got music by Alessandro Alessandroni. Um, I won't give away the twist, but... Uh, there's something devilish going on. Uh, let's see. Uh, I watched Last Night in Soho. Oh, how was that? Uh, yeah, have you seen that? I no. haven't seen yeah, it. It's yeah. on uh, HBO now. Excellent. Um, so this came out last year, Edgar Wright film. Um, another one of Edgar Wright's films where someone is stuck in the past. It seems to be a running thing with him, um, ironically. Um so uh, you got uh, Terence Stamp is in it, um, Matt Smith is in it. Um, Very good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Anya Taylor-Joy, Diana Riggs in it, Rita Tushingham, uh, Thomasin McKenzie. Um, so uh, this uh, young woman arrives in London. She's going to study fashion design, in, um, and she's obsessed with the 60s stuff. And... Uh, it's got very heavy-handed sort of remake of Repulsion vibes to it. Um, I mean, it's not I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's very colourful. Um, she, uh, uh, and then you've got uh, Matt Smith plays this uh, nightclub guy who kind of um, draws this woman into uh, the gangster world. Um Lots of it does feel like uh, Doctor Who, actually, with, with his presence and the uh, sort of uh, overbearing music and uh, uh, 
the the way the ghosts look when they finally appear. Oh, okay. Make, makes it feel like a extended Doctor Who episode. Um, yeah, uh, it is an enjoyable watch. It's good, good looking. Film. Awesome. Uh, the Sinister Urge, Edward Junior. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, this is uh, one of his uh, one of his last. I think it's his last straight movie he made oh. before he went into porn. Yeah, um, I like using that term, Sinister Urge. You know, just <laughs> randomly to describe <laughs> whatever desires somebody might be having. Yes. He's got the sinister urge. Yeah, sometimes I'll describe the dogs needing to go out as they have the sinister urge. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's kind of like a autobiographical. It's got these. It's about how evil pornography is and uh, mm. how this poor filmmaker has fallen into making pornography. And oh. And one of the characters actually says, Pornography, a nasty word for a dirty business. <laughs> um, so he's he's porn shaming. Yeah. Oh, Ed. Yeah. There's lots of sinister urges on display, so I'm not sure that it actually means just pornography or all the other stuff that's going on. Should it, shouldn't he have called it sinister urges? Yes. Yeah. Um, Ken Duncan. Um, you got the Duke Mayor. Who played the detective in Plan Nine? Conrad Brooks. Edward plays a pornographer who has a fist fight. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, and in this uh, scene, which was uh, shot for a movie he never finished called Hellborn, and uh, he also reused this scene in uh, Night of the Ghouls. So anyway, saw that one. Uh, Mad God. Oh, how'd you Have like you seen it? that one? It's on I haven't seen it yet. No, you mentioned this one. I didn't get so the chance to watch it. Phil Tippett, the stop-motion animator, works on Robocop films. Right. Um, or Starship Troopers. And, um, so this, this is a film. He, he started making it around the time of Robocop 2, and then he kind of abandoned it for a, a while, and mm-hmm. then people said, oh, you should, you should get this thing done. And so finally done after 30 years. Mm. Um. So this is about um, uh, some some figure is being sent down into the depths of hell, descend through several several layers, and sees all sorts of awful things, and uh, and that's that takes care of the first half. <laughs> There's not much plot to it, and then and then Alex Cox appears and he's live action, and then. Another figure goes down to hell, and he sees more horrible things. Uh, the end. Um, <laughs> it's very disgusting and beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, the storytelling is not that good. It kind of wanders, you know, wanders off with different characters, characters, and so on. But uh, yeah, it's more interested in the visuals and the, the various allegories that are going on, rather than a plot. So, All right. Just uh, yeah, it's it's quite trippy. Hmm. Uh, I I was lucky enough to see Morbius. What? Yeah. How'd that happen? Have you seen it? No. No. I got it from the library, so I spent a lot of money on it. (laughs) Um, So this is uh, Daniel Espinosa, who did uh, he did a film called Life. Have you seen that one? It's like a an alien gets into a space station. Yeah. Film. That was pretty good. Yeah. I thought Um, from 2017. Anyway. uh, Morbius, we, we started uh, listing all the things that vampire bats do not do, which they do in this film. 
Vampire bats do not use echolocation. Um, also, you need to emit sound for echolocation to work. So him just standing there and, and uh, rings of echolocation coming out from his shoes. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, they, they do not suck blood. Um, they Lap it up. Yeah, they apply an anticoagulant and lap it up and the animal never knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, they're not the size of a fruit bat. Uh, they do not tear animals up. Um, they they cannot live in a chamber indefinitely, especially in northern climes. They do not turn into a dude with a cape. <laughs> uh, Jared Leto seems really bored. <laughs> it's like he gets all his superpowers and like uh, you know, in, uh, like Spider Man something. He's like leaping about and he's like woo. Uh, he gets his superpowers and he just like relates them into a dictaphone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt Smith is in it again. Uh, he's good. Jared Harris is in it. Uh, Adria Jean is in it. She's good. Um, but it's terrible. Really bad. <laughs> they bombed twice. Yeah, yeah. They re-released it because there's this huge internet thing saying oh, it's made all these billions of dollars and it's the most popular, best-reviewed uh, film most of the year. Yeah. Film ever made. And uh, they thought, oh, this is like a, a cult movie. And so they re-released it and it bombed again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There you go. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I saw, uh, let's see, uh, Kill Them All and Come Back Alive from 1968. This is uh, Enzo G. Castellari, Italian Western, starring Chuck Connors. Uh, this one is interesting to uh, horror fans because... Uh, this is a heist movie, and one of his gang is uh, played by uh, Alberto Delacqua, who played Wormface in Zombie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a cute guy. Oh, yeah, he doesn't kind look... Of, kind of a young James Darren sort of vibe. Doesn't look exactly like his zombie self in not, Zombie. Not really. <laughs> a very athletic guy. Uh, sort of the Mindbenders from 1963, Basil Dearden film, um, starring Dirk Bogard. This is about isolation tank experiments um where they uh, <clears throat> they realize that someone put into that sort of uh, isolation goes goes a little crazy and they can his mind is open to suggestion and manipulation and uh, so it starts out with one of the people from the experiment killing himself and uh the 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 uh, mi5 suspects that he's a spy um so to prove that he's not a spy one of his colleagues volunteers to go back into the tank and show them that he can he can be radically changed so they so when he's he's gone through this isolation tank thing they they put all these suggestions into his mind which just ruins him um it, it's terrible um but so then they, they all feel really bad about it and uh so that they they have to try and bring him back somehow oh man but uh, yeah, it's, it's a good-looking film. It's very talky and very British. You know, everyone's kind of um, stiff up a lip approach to having ruined several lives in the course of his <laughs> experiments in Oxford. But they've done it in a very proper fashion. Yes. Which is important. <laughs> so I think that's it. Wow. Well, that's what happens when you get spare time, huh? Yeah. Watch a few things. Oh, we saw Jaws on July the 4th. Of course. It's a 4th of July kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, you can't close that it beach. It takes, takes place over the July the 4th weekend. 
Yeah, I think two years ago we watched it on the 4th of July weekend. I even made that sign that says something about the beach closed. I made that for the swimming pool. <laughs> Excellent. Above ground pool, people. Don't get any ideas. We're not that, we're not that posh. <laughs> um, for me, uh, where shall I start? Most recently I watched the um, Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, a uh, couple episodes, two or three episodes of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, this is supposedly a paranormal hotspot in Utah. It's a ranch, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess everything goes there. Like literally everything. You got your ghosts, your shadow people, your Bigfoots, your UFOs. It's it's like a it's like a seventies variety show, except for paranormal and in Utah. That's, That's really just cool. greedy. It is greedy. It's selfish. It's selfish keeping all those monsters to yourself <laughs> yeah. in your ranch. Yeah. Don some of those out. Yeah, Donnie and Marie don't have a single monster on their variety hour. Or a variety hour. Or they don't have that anymore, do they? I don't even think one of them's alive anymore. They're a weird couple, aren't they? <laughs> Anyway, so that's that's a thing you can watch if you want to. I think it's on Netflix. It's speaking of Netflix. Yes. That's where Monsters is going to premiere. Oh, is it? Rob Zombie's The Monsters. It's not going to appear in the Theater. cinema? No. Hmm. Go, Rob. All right. What, what do you think happened there? Um, it's a Monsters movie made by Rob Zombie. <laughs> What went right? <laughs> well, Not a damn thing. I will I will reserve judgment until I see it. Then I'll be harsh about it. Uh, let's see. Uh, the other thing I watched was D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? This is a... Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> well, where do you think he landed? <laughs> Squarely on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, this... Um, this is a 50-year-old mystery now. Uh, I guess you could say it captures the imagination of a lot of people because he's not a Robin Hood-type character because he didn't share the money, best we can tell. But he made off with the money like a bandit and never got caught. He may have ended up splatted on the ground. So can you tell the story for people who don't know? For people who don't know, D.B. Cooper was uh, an alias... Not even given by the hijacker, but in 1971, the night before Thanksgiving, uh, a guy boarded a Northwest Orient uh, flight, and um, at some point, this is when you could walk on, walk up to the gate agent, mm-hmm. pay whatever amount the money was, walk onto the plane. Like you could have a gun on you, you could have a stick of dynamite, you could have, I don't know, your own booze. Like you Lots can have people have bombs and suitcases if uh, TV movies are to be yeah. believed. Which well, this, I always carry one. Yeah. Because what are the chances two bombs are going to be on board? Good thinking. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, you can just know you're safe. <laughs> I know I'm safe. You're not Peace gonna, of mind. You're not going to set it off. And certainly the odds are there's not another guy there. Yeah. So, so this guy shows up, buys a ticket under the name Dan Cooper, gets on this flight, and at some point with his briefcase next to him, and uh, I think he ordered a scotch, he asks the flight attendant, who were known as stewardesses at the time, mm-hmm. um, he uh, asks her to come over here for a second, hands her a note, and it says, I've got a bomb, and do as you're told, and he opens the briefcase, and there's sticks of dynamite and some boxes and wires and junk all kind of strewn together. 
And she's like, uh-oh, and uh, goes and shares this information with the pilot. And then he makes arrangements to land. I think they land in Seattle, and or they left from Seattle. I forget how, how it went. But uh, they land at the next airport that's not terribly far away where they're going to be provided. He's going to be provided four parachutes and $200,000, which in 1971 was a lot of money. Um, I wouldn't risk prison for that kind of money now. Uh, and then they I take... I would. I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> How much are you going to get for $200,000? Prison sounds like an all right gig. You know, you're an artist. You could do tattoos. Yeah, uh, I'm just sitting in a little room all day anyway. Yeah. They would be giving you hot meals. Mm-hmm. You know, you could work out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what happens in this case is that um, this guy puts on one of the parachutes, takes the money and the bomb, tells tells everyone, you know, the pilot to have everyone come to the front of the plane and uh, lower the aft stairs. And the pilot does so, not even knowing that you can do that while flying. He's like, can you do that? He's like, yes, you can do that. And at some point, he jumps the hell off the plane uh, somewhere above Oregon. And that's it. That's all anyone knows. Now, this has captured the imagination of people who are like, ooh, what if I could find that money? Or, you know, who could this guy be? Well, apparently, a lot of people think it's their, their uh, you know, dead husband or their uncle or their dad or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. There's so many people who are like, no, totally, it's, it's, it's this guy, you know, this, this family member, this neighbor, this friend. Um, truth is... Uh, it can only be one of these people or none of it these could people. could be none of them, yeah. Yeah, and apparently uh, many, many people confessed. Well, could only be one of them, if any. So it's it's kind of an interesting mystery. So like any of these mysteries, I really just enjoy the mystery of it without having to adhere to any particular theory. Uh, I've got some things I lean toward on Roswell or JFK, but... You know, the JFK assassination. This one. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one, I, it, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of cool how it all went down. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I think some people, when they were confronted with, were you actually D.B. Cooper? Some of them are a little wink, wink about it. Mm. Yeah, Because they, they're kind of enjoying yes. you know, playing with the person interviewing them. So that's that's fun. I, I recommend that for anyone. It'll... it'll uh, It'll bring you from the the 10,000 foot view for anyone who doesn't know who D.B. Cooper was. Uh, Yeah, he signed up as Dan Cooper. Some journalists went, D.B. Cooper. And then everyone just followed that. He didn't even call himself D.B. Cooper. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, I watched David Lynch, The Art Life. This is a uh, 2016 movie. Um, This was funded by a Kickstarter campaign. So it took a while to make this, but it's a documentary about uh, uh, David Lynch, the filmmaker, who um, he, of course, is also an artist, but he gave us these really strange films, and um, I guess he was never not a weird kid. He, uh, he always had an idea about being creative, and I think his parents were kind of like, but, but could you just do something a little more straight and narrow? And he was just like, no, I like <laughs> making weird art, mm-hmm. and now I'm making weird movies. Um I discovered that because I knew he had serious ties to the Pacific Northwest. I didn't know that he had lived in two of the same places I had lived. Sandpoint, Idaho and Spokane, Washington, which are about 70 miles apart. 
a lot of people think, oh yeah, Twin Peaks is set somewhere near Seattle, but the way Twin Peaks is described by Special Agent Cooper, it's uh, close to the Canadian border, and the way he describes it, it would be closer to Colville, which is north of Spokane. Anywho, we, uh, we went to see the Falls. Oh yeah, you went to Snoqualmie yeah. Falls. Yeah, that, isn't it? Great the, town. There's a I forget what it's called, but there's a uh, there's a Lynch documentary playing at Fantasia this weekend as well. Oh, seriously? Yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah, the the falls are beautiful, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And you can see the uh, the uh, the lodge that they used. Yeah. Oh, everything. Yeah, it's so neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's my problem with with uh, that period in time. Um, Twin Peaks, the TV series, got canceled after not very long, and then. Uh, a more palatable bullshit series, Northern Exposure, gets like green lighted, and they start making you know season after season of that one. It's like why why that one? Twin Peaks was like it was the OG. It was it was for real. But I don't know. What do I know? Um. So that uh, and of course, I wanted to rewatch Blue Velvet for the first time in decades. Wow. That's a weird rewatch for me. I don't know if you guys have rewatched it in the last 20, 30 years. No, I've seen it for a while. Uh, yeah, it's been probably a decade since I've seen it. Yeah. I think Criterion's doing a 4K of Lost Highway this October, I think it comes out. Nice. Awesome. I think my favorite part of that is when Dean Stockwell sings into the mechanics light. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, we used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Because I came out when we were at college. Of course, everyone had to emulate that. Just, just his his whole facial expression uh, when when Frank. Yeah, that got me into Roy Orbison, and <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I got to hear more of this Roy Orbison business here. But yeah, Dean Stockwell, when uh, when uh, uh, Dennis Hopper's character Frank is giving him a hard time, mm-hmm. we're not. Well, he's not giving him a hard time. He's praising him for how suave he is, yeah. and. <laughs> yeah. I won't repeat the name. <laughs> right. But but uh but Ben, Dean Stockwell's character, is just kind of grinning and kind of, you know, just bl- slow blinking and <laughs> the whole thing is just <laughs> glorious. That scene alone is worth it. Um just strange and lovely. It it's good to rewatch. So that was it for me. And then uh of course I watched one for Ziggy's pick next week, Fresh. And antlers. Um, I usually ask what was your first experience with this, but Will, you and I got free tickets to it last year. Oh. Yeah, and we went. Um, do you remember what you thought of it at the time? I thought it was really bleak. <laughs> it was speaking of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's like I thought it was pretty good. Um, it didn't go quite where I thought it was going to go, so. Well, That's good. Do you remember what you were thinking they were going to do? Well, I thought the guy was just going to be kind of glowy on the inside, and crazy, not turn into an actual monster. Yeah. And had we we had already seen uh the ritual before this, hadn't we? Yeah. So we've we've seen what that what that Wendigo type monster. I, granted it's not the same in the ritual. It's a different different uh, spirit uh, wood spirit creature. Yeah, Swedish, isn't it? And yeah. Was it Norwegian or Swedish? Swedish, I thought. It's Scandinavian. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we could generalize. 
Uh, but yes, the Scandinavian monster is very much like a Wendigo, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was as good as we've ever seen it. This one, they only gave you glimpses. Yeah. Did you think that was better? It did, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, um, I was kind of disappointed that it came down to her just fighting the thing. Yeah. You know, it could have been a little more creative than, you know, punch-kick combos. See, for example, <laughs> the way the uh, the grown-up kids defeated Pennywise. Mm. <laughs> Maybe something more like that. No, nothing ever <laughs> like that. Uh, it and It too, not your favorites. No. What if they put out an It 3? Are you going to go? Gonna sure. <laughs> if it's an all new story. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the kids have kids. There you go. You could you could uh, write the title as I plus. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't throw people off. Pennywise could have a kid. Yeah. But he doesn't want to follow in his father's footsteps. <laughs> I ain't going down a drain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm going to do my own thing, man. Yeah, start up a fast food franchise. So, Jolene, what was uh, what was your first experience with this? Pretty recent? Yes, yesterday. <laughs> you said, all right, well, I guess we're talking well, about I, this movie. I only found out what we were going to do yesterday <laughs> and uh, looked up the... Uh, I checked out what was going on in it because because it's on HBO. Yeah. I had to watch it in the living room. Right. Which meant I had to watch it with Emily, which meant I had to check out what happens in it. Mm-hmm. Which meant I found out that there's a somebody who kills small animals and feeds it to the Wendigo. Oh uh, yeah, there is that. And, and I knew I couldn't watch it, so I had to watch uh, bits of it and and you know documentary things and reviews yeah. and things. So I've not actually watched it. Oh okay. So sorry about that, everybody. Uh, well, it's all right. The movie isn't as harsh as all that, and it's hard to tell by what people say you know uh yeah i would say they they're it's used sparingly considering some of the stuff we've seen in some movies Mm -hmm. um yeah there's some cruelty that is just portrayed in the most horrible ways but this is kind of like now we just gotta get something for him and toss it in that room yeah i get the impression that he, he, he the kid sets up these traps to get the animals to feed to his dad yeah, mm-hmm. who, is, who is the Wendigo at that point? Yeah, right? and uh, so you see him see the animal and set up traps, but then you, and then the next thing you see is him throwing a dead animal to the uh, yeah the dad. Now it's a it's a little bit off the subject, but I have to bring this up. <clears throat> there are um, there are people who illegally find antlers in national parks. You're not supposed to find any animal parts in a park and take it with you. You're just not supposed to. Well, it's against the law. You're not allowed to. And, of course, it's a federal law. So you can do prison time for this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to a true crime podcast, and this one guy who went missing and has never been found um, was known to be someone who would go find these, um, these shed antlers from elk. And apparently they pay really well like people pay lots of money for this um it could be used for decorative stuff um practical stuff like knife handles 
or it could be ground up and sold to people who believe that it's some sort of a medicinal property to it. Um, yeah, a person can make several hundred or a couple thousand bucks a day if they know where to find these things and pack them out safely. So the thought was that some other people who were doing the same thing had kind of, of a little cartel set up doing this. And, uh, you know, competition, they decided to kill him and bury him in, in the forest somewhere. I found that really crazy. It's like, I guess if you're desperate, you know, if you live in Montana or Wyoming and you're kind of out in the sticks and you don't have any income currently, um, uh, sure. You know, um, apparently it's, um, got to pay for the math somehow. Yeah. Um, 12 to 16 bucks per pound, you know, and they can weigh lots of pounds, I guess. So there you have that. Um, so this movie came out uh, in 2021 and they don't make any, um, any sort of uh, mystery to the fact that it's going to be a supernatural movie. Like I think the preview tells you pretty much up front. So I went into this one knowing hey, it's going to be supernatural. Seems like a Wendigo thing. And that's all I had in my head when we went in and yeah, it was bleak. It was like a really depressed town uh-huh. where all the... Just, just falling apart. Yeah, it used to be a mine. Yeah, the industry's gone. Um, when I was young and we moved from Chicago to uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, it was like a lot of mills had closed and not terribly far away, mines had closed. There are people mad about that, but, you know, it's it's not for any reason you can get mad about it's it's either you you've logged everything out or you've mined everything out and it's kind of done or the parent company pulled up stakes but uh it can it can crush the economy of a of a small town pretty easily imagine you probably saw that with steel industry in england coal as well coal and steel tin oh geez uh yeah yeah cornwall the west country used to be the the producer of tin in the world wow and then um yeah they kind of mined it out and and they discovered tin in india i think and it was like well see you later that's it yeah got cheaper labor in india and uh this is all mined out but in, in the uk when when a town loses its industry like that it just has to switch to something else def leopard is what it switches to yeah um <laughs> sheffield's like what else have we got oh, sheffield's a hotbed of bands because all that all that generation had nothing to do right <laughs> Um, yeah, so that because you can't just abandon a town and go elsewhere, we don't have the room. Yeah, so but America's there's hundreds of ghost towns. Oh, it's weird. Yeah, if you've ever we walked through an old mining town, I don't even know what they were mining. Um, when I was a kid, I think we went up there two or three times, but it was pretty far out into the mountains. And um, this place, it was just strange to see all these buildings that had been built and used for however many years and just gone done and uh it was i have a, a story behind it that i can just kind of summarize on our on our walk in you know you could safely park at this one place in the road but from that point forward you better just walk in we walked past some uh hippies that were kind of like the dangerous looking hippies like mm. the one guy had a bandolier of like 12 gauge shells and uh you can imagine the gun was not far away and they were like, Hey, so what are you folks up to? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they wanted to share some of their food with us if we wanted. Uh -huh. And then later we heard animal sounds that 
certainly weren't animals. It was a hippie trying to sound like a bobcat. But uh, I don't know. I mean, didn't they learn anything from Helter Skelter? <laughs> it's like, you guys really, they were growing weed, clearly. Now, you know, years later, I figured out what the deal was. They didn't want this family stumbling in and, mm-hmm. you know, finding their grow. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. So, anywho. Um, that's totally off track. So this movie, uh, we end up, um, uh, Sispus Falls, I think it's called. It's supposed to be an Oregon town. Um, probably close to where D.B. Cooper landed. I think so. He may live there now. He didn't spill any of his money around the community, obviously. And, uh, uh, this guy's running a meth lab in a, in a sort of abandoned mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, what could go wrong? You just... Uh, I'm mindful of explosive gases. Yeah, yeah. What what could possibly go wrong? You just let your seven year old run around. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And uh, of course, um, yeah. Uh, there's an attack from uh, some creature. There's a, a just like we don't know was what. Was it a bobcat? It. I think it was a hippie dressed as a bobcat. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, so are we to suppose there's just one Wendigo that transfers? Or are there more than one? Because this first one disappears, doesn't it? It does. It like, does disappear, yeah. Yeah, it attacks and it's gone. And then uh, this guy turns into a, a creature. Uh-huh. So is... Yeah, I guess it does disappear. And it's transferred. I don't think there's more than one at a time. Okay. So what would explain that in the in the lore? Anything? I mean, isn't isn't becoming a Wendigo punishment for uh, crimes against the tribe or wrongdoing against the tribe? Something um, like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a Algonquin uh, mythology creature, so it's, um, uh, it's often used to warn people about the dangers of cannibalism in winter. Right. And and so it's this creature of rage. And it's depicted various ways. You can some of them have antlers, some are just people bigger than a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it's this thing of rage and um, hunger, everlasting hunger. So, Algonquin lore would be pretty far east from well, this. The Algonquin languages are the the most uh, commonly spoken okay. in the first tribes, and then there's the natural specific tribe that's in the north it was it was in the northeast mm-hmm. the algonquin yeah but of course they got spread around yeah what would they have made it all the way to coastal oregon which i guess a lot of tribes would have similar folklore um probably i mean i don't want to bring sasquatch into this but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> but yeah you'll get these same it's stories just... Sasquatch versus a Wendigo. Who wins? Oh, man. I don't know. Does he get a hold of the antlers? Well, I read an issue of X-Men where he does that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. Uh, a few weeks after the attack, we're not really sure what's going on. This kid seems like he's kind of on his own. And then we see him come home and there's all these locks on the door. And uh, apparently dad's transforming into something in the room. And uh, he, uh, he's he got to throw stuff in there for him. You know, yeah. that's a long-term plan you could stick with. Just keep putting yourself, uh, you know, 
through through grade school and feeding dad rodents. Sure. <laughs> Maybe some roadkill now and again. Um, uh, we have a, uh, a a school teacher who kind of notices the weird drawings and the weird behavior, and she's going to kind of intervene. So that was uh, she's the woman who's come back to town after many years. Yes, yes, one of those having fled abuse. Yes, uh, at the hands of her father, mm-hmm. and her brother is—he's uh, the sheriff. Isn't yes, Jesse Plemons, also known as Meth Damon. <laughs> His name is now Meat Damon. Meat Damon, <laughs> because he's kind of beefy now. Yes. <laughs> You imagine if Matt Damon got stung by a bunch of bees. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You get Jesse Plemons. Meet Damon. Yes. Um, yeah, apparently, yeah, the the father committed suicide. Now she's back in Sispus Falls to uh, to be closer to her brother, and um, they're uh, uh, are they roommates? Yeah, they. I no. Are they? Um, I think they just live near. Yeah, I, I think maybe they live together. I don't remember. Yeah, he, well, he's he's always out on patrol, and she's always teaching. So I didn't really put that together. Um, she moves in with him because she displaces some of his stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but Julia wants to go find out what's up with this kid, Lucas. Um, he's uh, he's. Um, Living in a pretty rundown house with all kinds of junk outside of it, and it just seems like a bad situation for a kid. So yeah, but he's got his own wind to go. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a wind to go growing yeah. up. He's got a surefire hit for show and tell. Yeah, yeah. You ever seen My Bodyguard? It's that <laughs> only way better. <laughs> you think anyone's gonna pick on Lucas after that? After he takes the wind to go to school one day? I had an older brother. It was way worse than a Wendigo. <laughs> I told you about the time he grabbed that kid by the ear, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we find out that uh, that uh, Frank, sur- the, the dad, Frank, survived the attack. And, uh, and he's made sure that the kids are careful about keeping them locked up. And, uh, and uh, they're... they're um, their dad is just turning into this um, ravenous creature. And um, it seems like at some point he's going to get loose. And that's, you know, that's kind of where this movie's got to be going. Uh, his the, accomplice. The law in this movie is that uh, he's really hungry. Mm-hmm. But once he gets human flesh, he goes full on Wendigo, right? Yeah. 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 Because we find out that... Uh, um, the accomplice, um, his, his remains are found in the woods by, uh, Paul. Okay. Paul and Warren, uh, discover the other part of the accomplice is in the mine, uh, with part of an antler. So they're like, okay, what's up with this antler? And I think that's where they get kind of on the, on the, uh, on the case with, uh, what, what could, what could this be about? And I think at first they really don't want to believe that it could be, uh, that it could be a Wendigo. No, nobody wants to believe that. No, not until uh, not until it's too late. Uh huh. That's I think part of the Lord. Wendigos too. are creepy hippies. <laughs> they got July Fourth coming up. They don't want no 
talk about Wendigos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the uh, You got to close the beach. <laughs> yeah. We, we can't we can't have the pie eating contest. The pie eating contest is going on as planned. That's all we got. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, uh, Ellen discovers the room where Frank and Aiden are locked up, which she unlocks and enters. Uh, I'm reading this now from a, a synopsis. Frank kills Ellen uh, before antlers burst out of his body. Now, uh, Frank is transformed into a savage, antlered creature. Uh, kills Lucas's bully, Clint Owens, when uh, Lucas uh, is harassed by the boy. Mm-hmm. So, we got uh, revenge on bullies. We got transformation. This isn't going good places. Yeah, no. no. Kids, kids coming up, you know. Doesn't the, the bully abuse his sock monkey? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's... he's uh, He's t- he's taking the sock monkey from the kid, and he's he's making little obscene gestures with it, you know, like it's going down on him under his desk, and then uh, he's making humping gestures toward it, and then the kid is like, "Man, now my monkey's all defiled. I don't know what to do with it." Just puts it in his pack and heads home. But yeah, so uh, yeah, the bully's been taken care of. Um, I think this is steering toward a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this thing is looking up. Yeah. You know, when I'm watching a movie like this, I'm just thinking, you know, I kind of want, uh, I kind of want to just see like the the kid gets his own place. You know, maybe the dad gets free, runs into the woods and, uh, you know, maybe they get together once in a while. Yeah. Why not? And maybe the teacher moves in, you know, becomes kind of a mother figure, cleans the place up. Yeah. Seems like that could go well. Um, let's see. Uh, I kind of wanted to get around to the um, to the part where where uh, where Sheriff Paul is, is and is and his buddy are are like uh, getting stalked by the by the Wendigo, and they're in that shed. That is that is, is like a freight train of a jump scare. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I remember now. Remember this one when we're sitting in the theater? All of a sudden, antlers burst through the dude's chest. And it sounded like someone drove a car into the side of the theater. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty loud. I think the filmmakers were like, oh, if you weren't going to jump, you're going to jump. So the audience took off. <laughs> pretty much. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of jumped out of their seats. Yeah, everybody jumped. It was a good one. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, Because um, you knew it was right there, and they, they got you still, like, Oh yeah, they did it like a split second early, or yeah. waited just half a speed and and got you because you were like, ah, here it comes, here it comes. Oh my god, they got me. <laughs> and they and they turned the volume up like ten oh, times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't stand a chance. You're gonna at least be startled by like, holy crap. Yeah, the startling. <laughs> yes, that's what they should call. You know, someone write a movie called The Startling. It's just all jump scares. <laughs> Loud noises, the movie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, well, to to give you the uh, to give you that scene, um, Lucas escapes to the mine, and Julia and Paul follow, armed with a pistol. Inside, Julia discovers Lucas and Aiden, <laughs> and sees what Frank has become a Wendigo. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> yes. Uh, currently feasting on a dead black bear. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Nobody has a site called Does the Black Bear Die, but they probably include this on DoesTheDogDie.com. Yeah, you could probably fill it in there. Yeah. 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 Are there any dead dead or dying or killed bears in this movie? Well, yes. Um, after a fight, she sees the Wendigo possessed Frank. Uh, I'm sorry. After a fight, she kills the Wendigo possessed Frank with Lucas's help. The Wendigo spirit passes into Aiden and Julia stabs Aiden to death, uh, seemingly ending the curse. Um, uh-huh. I, I didn't see any like bubbles coming up or a hand reaching out of a grave, but eh, they could sequel this one if they wanted but it's based on a book so it's based on a yeah story yeah the quiet boy yeah so which doesn't have the paul character in it at all really what do they do and it's set in virginia not oregon but okay how do we and it's not a wendigo it's a bigfoot oh man it's not even the same story it's got a different ending okay and a different beginning and middle so what do you... Do? But it's, it's a sad ending, too. Okay. What do you do without Lumpy Damon? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, shall I give away what happens at the end of the short story? Might as well. I mean... Uh... All right, so there's no Paul. Uh, so the Wendigo comes to Julia's house to claim Aiden, whom she's protecting. Right. And she refuses. And then the next morning they come to the house and Aiden's gone and she's splattered all over the kitchen. Oh, Huh. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> One less mouth to feed in this little town. <laughs> right. Um, what did you think of... Uh, did you read the story? Or, uh, I, I did not synopsis. read the quiet boy. No, I read a synopsis. Okay. But uh, you, you can find it easy online. Oh, okay, good. Um, so what, what do you think of uh, all this reworking that they did? Do you think there's any good reason for this kind of thing? Filming locations, maybe? Let's see. Probably. Oh, well, I do see. Let's see. Real quick here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check and see if there's anything about filming locations. I don't know how slight the story is. So, hmm. I'm assuming that since Canada is one of the countries listed, that they probably filmed it. They filmed it in BC. Of course. That makes sense. Vancouver. Okay. Yeah, like literally everything that looks like it's the Pacific Northwest is Vancouver. Because yeah. <laughs> it can double as Seattle, it can double as Oregon, it could double as some other place on a rainy day. The back streets of Vancouver could be New York. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was doubling for San Francisco when I was there. Oh yeah, you were there for the Godzilla movie. Yeah. Which you were never paid for. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to... Wear your scientist clothes and run like hell. I've got to see some cool stuff. Yeah. You got to be in a Godzilla movie. Yes. Um, This was produced by Guillermo del Toro, but it was not... um, not directed by him was no he's he's, he had uh uh, he supervised the monster design a lot and he yeah i would assume he would have hands all over that for sure he loves monsters oh yeah did you ever hear that he has a replica of the car (laughs) and he drives it around does it have the horn (laughs) i would hope so he's got to have that sound yeah i would hope so um well, this had Felicity in it. I kind of buried the headline there. Um, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, yeah. Yeah, Felicity. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think, uh, 
it's been long enough. Um, all the style from back in the day of that show is coming back. She could get that sassy little curly haircut again if she wanted to. Or not. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who else was in this thing? Um, we had Jesse Plemons. Uh, um, Graham Greene. Um, this guy was uh, kind of their link to the um, First Nations people. Yeah, I, I looked up uh, Wendigo movies, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a common thing with them that they have a lore exposition dump yes. character. They need a liaison. So, uh, And all these movies, there's like a dozen Wendigo movies that I could find. Um, it's white people being attacked by a Wendigo, and some first tribes person turns up, gives them all the lore, and then disappears. <laughs> He's like, well, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Should really be a website now. <laughs> yeah. WendigoSolutions.com. Also, out of a dozen <laughs> Wendigo movies, uh, two of them have a sheriff named Paul. Oh. Two of them had a, have a boy named Tim. <laughs> uh, yeah, dead deers turn up. Mm -hmm. uh, Larry Fessenden's made three. Wow. Well, what's the deal with that? What, what, what are the ones he made? Uh, so he did um, he did Wendigo from two thousand one, okay, which has a dead deer in it, and an exposition shopkeeper native, and then uh, he did uh, the last winter from two thousand six, which has Ron Perlman in it, hmm. who's, um, who's clearly the monster, right? And then he did a, a episode of uh, Fear itself called Skin and Bones. I think it's episode eight where the uh, Doug Jones plays the Wendigo. Of course. Uh, and you've got a boy named Tim again, and you've got a local exposition guy. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. He, he loves him as some Wendigo. Wow. Um, Rory uh, Cochrane is in this. Cochrane or Cochrane? It's, it's uh, the guy from Dazed and Confused. Remember him? No. The funny little hat. Um, he was also in Empire Records. It's like I was watching this going, why do I know this guy? And then when I looked at the cast, it's like, oh, yeah, he's just older now. I guess he's allowed to get older, you know. Um, so um, this came out in uh, October of 2021. We saw it, what, a week early, a week, a week before its release, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, we are just giving free tickets to this thing. And uh, it felt like, you know, it, uh, it was dreary. It was bleak. But uh, the storytelling was uh, um, engaging enough, for me anyway. I don't know if you felt... Sure. You know, it, they moved the plot along nicely. Got a few good, uh, a few good uh, creepy moments and then a couple of good jump scares. Yeah. Uh, some gore. Some gore. A uh, bunch of competent actors. It's like, man, all this stuff that we see... Uh, in general, this felt to me like it was better than a lot of the stuff that's getting put out, and it didn't get a whole lot of attention. It got a big build-up, didn't it? Because it'd been delayed a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Like they built it up, they released it at uh, Beyond Fest, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, Beyond Fest. It, you know, it wasn't ponderous. It was only ninety-nine minutes. You know, and if if Will comes in two minutes late and leaves when the credits start rolling it's you know it's yeah clocks right in there at 90 <laughs> um yeah when you have that many special effects there's going to be a lot of credits 
So. Yeah, you've probably got six minutes of credits anyway. Uh, yeah, so um, um, let's see. Critical response. Here's the weird part. It gets, uh, if we were to look at Rotten Tomatoes, it gets 60% from 166 critics' reviews. Um, it's kind of weird. Like it gets a 5.9 out of 10, so 60%. Uh, one of the uh, critics uh, said it struggles to find a successful balance between its genre and allegorical elements, but Antlers is sharp enough he, he, uh, to recommend as a richly atmospheric creature feature. Okay. I think that yeah, that's a fair assessment. You know, you, you get enough story, but then you get some monsters. So. I think uh, out of the dozen Wendigo movies, like most of them are from the last couple of decades. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought Ravenous, it doesn't actually show a Wendigo, but the Wendigo lore is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Yep. You yeah. don't see a Wendigo, but there's the Wendigo's presence. That's the first time I ever heard of a Wendigo was reading that book. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so the first Pet Cemetery would be one of the earliest Wendigo movies. Uh, the earliest one I could find was uh, Ghost Keeper, which is uh, this quirky, wintry three film I picked a few years ago. Oh, okay. Um, so that came out in 1981. We have a bunch of snow bikers stuck in a hotel, and there's a Wendigo in the basement. But don't expect any creature with antlers. Okay. It's much more low budget than that. Um, but you do get an expo dump from a... This time it's from a book. It's not from a person. But it's, a, it's a book about native law mm-hmm. uh, where they learn all the all they need to know. Um, Ravenous, um, I, I think, is, is excellent. Um, you've got a local ex, exposition guy. Um and the, the um, Wendigo film itself from 2001 was, uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's got a unique looking creature. I haven't seen that one. Turns up at the end. Um, oh. But, you know, it's, it's weird that like such an old legend hasn't been filmed much. No. Um, the I think the um, uh, there was a Algernon Blackwood story that came out in 1910. Oh, wow. Um and uh, it, it got reprinted so many times. This is uh, I've got this illustration by Matt Fox from a uh, 1940s uh, reprint. Um, so that was uh, all I'd seen of a Wendigo for ages and ages. Wow. Um, you know, it's this enormous creature with antlers. Um, and I noticed in the in this film, um, they they're pouring through a book and they look at a picture. And it's actually an adaptation of an old uh, illustration of a manticore from a oh. 1786 bestiary called A Description of 300 Animals. Um, so they, they basically swap out the head of the manticore, <laughs> turn it into a, a windigo. But yeah, I, I'm, I found that what's uh, in, in common in all these movies is it's white people being attacked by a wendigo. Uh, I think the next one has to be, uh, yeah, a native made by first tribe because yeah, the, the talents out there. I mean, I thought Blood Quantum was pretty good. It's yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, if the, if that 
team did a Wendigo movie, I think it'd be great. I think that's what has to happen now. You know, enough of this. You know, this whitewashed Wendigo. Things happen to a white people uh, thing. Why us? What did we ever do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's got to be. Uh, I haven't read it, but our, uh, our buddy Stephen Graham Jones did a book called The Only Good Indian. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to read that and see how much Wendigo lore is in that. Yeah. That would be interesting. Um, so, uh, Jolene, you haven't really watched this. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you get a chance to, uh, when, when you get the upstairs TV to yourself, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Will, do you recommend it? Sure. Yeah. How, how, uh, how strong of a recommend is that? Is it on and there's nothing else? <laughs> Why not? Do you have a lot of ironing to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I, I, you're... If you're working your way through the Wendigos. Yeah. This is this one, is one of them. This is one of them. If you're done with mummies and you're looking <laughs> and you're looking through Wendigo movies and you want to watch every one of them, you will get looking to this. For a theme to Halloween. I think you'll find this to be one of the better ones. Yes. Yeah. And you what's really weird, I think with the first time I watched Ravenous, I didn't really pick up I was expecting vampires. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking for vampires, and I wasn't expecting Wendigos. So, you know, and at that point, I thought it was a forest spirit. I didn't think it had a physical, like, uh, manifestation of having antlers. And well, another one I want to see is uh, Frostbiter from 1995, which is came came from Troma. Oh, but uh, the cast includes Ron Ashton from, mm. from the Stooges, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of a the take on Evil Dead. How so interesting! These stop motion creatures in there. <laughs> I'm sure it's worth a look. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I give this one a recommend because again, it's it's one of it's one of the better ones, and uh, you should give it a look. Um, so next week we're going to be talking about Fresh, mm. and Ziggy will be back joining us for that. All right. I just watched that one yesterday. And wow, that's different. <laughs> so I encourage listeners, give it a look and join us then. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the Mars. <laughs>